I think the imposter also too, one of the overriding factor is caring about what other people think of you. <laughs> yeah. You know, we did this in the previous podcast. That's one of the problems, the cause of that, right? Because the more you care about what other people think of you, that creates that feeling. Yeah. The only reason why you feel the imposter is because you worry about what they think of you, whether they're going to find Correct. you out. But if no, you don't care, then you're never going to be found out. So that's another awareness that you know, think everybody needs to have is to kind of identify like, does it really matter what they think of you? Welcome to Wabi Sabi. Today, we have a pretty interesting topic, and I think it's a topic that we all, everyone, can identify with at some point in their life. It is the topic of being an imposter, mm. wearing a mask, feeling insecure, fearing something, the feeling of just not belonging, or you're doing something, or being being someone that you feel, I don't know, like you're faking it somehow. And I don't know about you, Jim, like when we, I'm sure you've heard this many times. I'm sure, you know, as repeated, I've said it, which is like, you know, fake it till mm -hmm. you make it. And to a point, I think that's important. We'll probably address that at some point in this today's podcast, but let's talk, let's start with the fact of have you felt imposter syndrome say in the last three months? In the last three months? No, not in the last three months. Okay. Certainly over my life, a hundred percent. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that that's really cool. So uh, we're going to have to adjust that. So let's talk about imposter syndrome. What, Jim, what is imposter syndrome to you? Well, imposter syndrome to me is one of those situations where you wake up and you're going through the motions of something. You're getting, you're in a position. For example, you may have, I'll give you the context of the explanation I have, but you actually don't feel like you belong in that situation. You may have a title, you may have a position, but you feel like, hey, at any one moment, someone's going to work this out and work out that I'm actually not this right person. I'm not that good. And consequently, everything will fall over. That to me is the practical essence of an imposter syndrome. Yeah. So my question is, why do most people feel this imposter syndrome? Like what? Like, I mean, we, I mean, I'm sure you've dealt with clients. I've dealt with clients. I felt it through my lifetime of being an imposter, you know, several occasions. And why do we feel that? Like what, what's the impetus of, of that creates that? Yeah, I, I think sometimes the, what I've seen, particularly in working with clients, I know myself too, is that quite often the identity doesn't match up with the reality or the circumstances. So how you mm -hmm. may perceive yourself may not match the, this current situation. So consequently, that's creating that incongruency or that disconnect between fact and fiction. And consequently, mm -hmm. that is what starts creating that an unsettled feeling within someone. So tell me, like, when's the last time, like, or when's the time, given this example, when you have felt imposter syndrome, so we, you know, we can, the audience can relate to, you know, what you went, might have Okay, went well, I'm going to trace it back to the most vivid example that I have. And everybody who's been listening up until this time will know that we've got a background in healthcare and both as chiropractors. And so there's a particular responsibility and identity that you have the moment that you graduate and you're responsible for the health and well-being of someone. And so you're a doctor title. And if you haven't mm -hmm. gotten to terms with that immediately, there's sometimes that scenario where you feel, okay, you know, I've got that entitled, but I don't feel like I'm personifying it or embodying it. So to me, I think in the first mm couple of months of practice particularly where I just hadn't transitioned, I hadn't had the identity upgrade into what being 
a doctor of chiropractic, being responsible for people was like. And that to me felt like an imposter. I, I had this recurring dream that, that I was going to have my first year anatomy lecturer call me up and say, actually, listen, we've just made a mistake. We've realized that you actually didn't go as well as we thought you did in first year. So consequently, you've got to come back. And that to me was, it was mm. playing out in my subconscious and in my dreams because I didn't feel like I was ready or I was worthy of the responsibility at that time. So consequently, that's what was showing up for me. Interesting. And, and that's the thing, like it's uh, these imposter syndromes actually occur in our heads. Yep. And we kind of, sometimes we create it and it's a story we tell ourselves or it's the insecurities that we might actually have. But the consequence of them is that it actually starts to play out on our actions and behaviors. Mm -hmm. Um, and decisions that you actually make based on this imposter, the, the feeling that we actually get. But let's dive deeper into this because, you know, the challenge of, see, naming it yep. is interesting, I find. Uh, I read a post somewhere, I think a friend of mine, Todd Herman, was talking about this imposter. Like, he was just like, you know, naming it as a syndrome. Mm -hmm. You know, it's interesting, it's a syndrome. Yeah. It's like, okay, well, that makes it okay, you know, that, oh, okay, well, that's everybody. And I don't know, I'm not, I, I'm still kind of torn between like whether or not that's an okay thing or not but like it's it's good to have a common language that we can actually talk about it but it's the feeling that we actually have around that right so the imposter syndrome like this it's something like it's i don't think i think we got to be careful around the word syndrome yeah. because it's almost like it's a disease or, or something that it's you know we can't fix i think the, the imposter part is important because i think we can all identify the imposter part that we're we're in a, in a situation where we have this feeling of insecurity we have a feeling that we don't belong we have a feeling that we are um, not enough. Yeah. And that can lead into uh, many decisions that, you know, rightly or wrongly can, you know, really change the course of your mm -hmm. life. Um, and I think that's the, that's the, that's the crux that we want to deal with because that's what we want to talk about. Right. So it's so important um, to think about from that perspective. So that's why I feel like if we discuss it, we can actually have, you know, when does it show up? Why does it show up? What circumstances have to show up for me? I think it shows up a lot. It's depending on the room you're mm -hmm. in, like, or in the environment that you're in. And so in one instance, I might be in one room that there is no imposter because I feel adequate in myself or who I am. But in another room, because all of a sudden the circumstances changes, the environment changed, the people in the room changed, and all of a sudden I'm lost. And both don't, the only difference between the two is how I see myself amongst the peers or how I compare, yeah. quote unquote, to those people in the room. And so if I was to, if I was in a class, let's say I was in a room with a bunch of students, right, uh, who is younger than me, you know, let's, we'll call it chiropractic in a healthcare field, then, you know, I would feel okay in that situation. However, if I was in a room with a bunch of chiropractors that are, you know, that I know are, have been in practice for 10 or 20 years, you know, more than I have, more experienced than me. And they're lecturers and they have more knowledge and they're medical doctor, like whatever, whatever. they have more experience and, and knowledge in a room of that has, you know, information that I wouldn't have mm -hmm. yet. Then all of a sudden, like those two situations, I'm still the same person. The only difference is my comparison or what I think of myself compared to those people. So comparison, I think, is one of the most important things. Well, one of the yeah. key elements that creates this imposter feeling that most of us yeah. have. And I remember reading uh, some information about this a while ago, that it, it's something that more women experience than men. So a lot. Yeah, really? I actually read this somewhere that there was more women who experience imposter syndrome than men. It's wow. all these, it's, okay. it's actually, it's really, it's funny because there's all these statistics when, when they talk about men in trading, you know, like that men tend to overestimate their, their competence and women tend to underestimate. 
their competence. So women mm, traditionally are much better at trading stock market than men are because men will over over hmm. compensate or feel that they're better than they than they really are. So have the, the the flip of okay. that for a lot of women is that they'll experience a lot more imposter syndrome where they'll develop and get into situations where they find themselves externally in a role that they may not quite be comfortable in because they, they have that feeling of insecurity within themselves. But yeah, I, I actually I actually had read that. So I'm not sure if that empirically is something that you found because I guess a bit of background and context to our talk, our talk today, because we both came with two topics and we went with this one. Yep. You had a hit on this one. So I'd really love you to lead here and go, okay, well, what was the impetus in terms of really talking about this? If It may be that, you know, we don't necessarily talk about the specifics of a, of a case, but what was the essence of what we're talking about imposter syndrome today? I think it's an important topic because I feel like it's a discussion of what we're trying to do in Wabi Sabi in terms of the art of imperfection. And we're talking about the highlight of a highlight and low life of our lives, or at least we progress through this and what we learn from it. I feel like it's one of those things that it occurs in, in most people at some point or another. I feel like it, if, you know, even in kids, I can see it in them, right? You can see it in, in them and how they, they approach life. And it's important discussion around that. And it came up several times uh, over the last couple of days right. as we were deciding okay. what we were to talk about this week. And one of them was I was listening to a podcast and someone kind of mentioned it. And then another time it was just actually this morning after I was at CrossFit, one of the expat guys just kind of came up to me and goes, hey, Lawrence, um, you know, you co you do some coaching, right? Like, to, who do you coach? And, you know, I said, well, small business, you know, and owners and entrepreneurs is what I kind of work with. And I work with mostly with mindset. And, and he was like, oh, like, you know, and he was going through his, like the difficulties he's going through with business right now. And I'm like, and, you know, one of the things he said was the nature of work. I won't describe it just so that, you know, just kind of keep yeah. it a bit private, but he was, he was talking about just being an imposter, mm -hmm. you know, like just not, not being in the same element to the clients he's trying to sell to, I guess, or influence to. And most of the clients that he works with are usually typically more like, you know, multi-millionaire and billionaires, mm. right? Because that's the the type of nature of his work. And he has that sense. And I can see that, like why that would be the case. But, you know, you can see like it's not a strategy problem. It's really mostly around how you approach that and the mindset around that. So I thought like this occurs in everybody. And one of the things that was key, the reason why I wanted to talk about this was because he said, you know, because I, I shared some of my feelings around that, my difficulties in life and in terms of some of the things that I went through in my business. And he was like, oh, thank you for sharing mm. it because I thought I was, on, I, I was, I thought I was alone. I'm like, no, dude, like everyone feels this way. You just don't realize because no one talks about it. No one actually, you know, goes out there and say like, here, I need help, you know, or I'm, I'm in trouble or like, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking these thoughts or I'm having these feelings. And a lot of times it's like, it's a, you know, I'm not saying the only thing, but one of the major things is this imposter mm. feeling, like this imposter of feeling like I am not adequate enough, you know, service people where I've seen some really successful entrepreneurs who I think they have it, but they've somehow overridden mm -hmm. somehow like they've been able to adapt like i mentioned to you like you just said hey you haven't felt it in three months like so we're going to talk about some of those strategies and how do we get ourselves into a position where it doesn't affect us into our, in terms of our decision it doesn't it, it it you don't want to allow it to creep in because that's the problem right it, when it creeps in it, it, it starts to affect your decision yeah. so how do you block it out how do you navigate through it how do you move forward with it because that is one of the key elements to do that. So that's why I want to okay. really want to talk about it. So for me, I think it's such a huge thing. Like this last week, we've finally launched this podcast. So I know you're listening to this. I don't know what number it is, but way down the track. But when we first launched this podcast, there was a sense, not, you know, like a sense of going, like, well, is anybody going to actually mm -hmm. listen? Does anybody care? You know? And so 
um, I mean, I didn't actually have any imposter syndrome, like we were not good enough to kind of go through, but I know like we have evolved since the very first episodes we ever released and it's getting, you know, it's going to continue to get better and better, but there's that sense of anybody launching any new thing, that feeling imposter is like you have to override that when you launch something right it be, could be a video that you want to you know put out there in the world it could be a blog post it could be you know a new business like you everybody who's done that has to override that voice inside your head that tells you are you sure about <laughs> that like are you sure you know are, who are you like who are you to be the one who's shooting this video doing this podcast launching this product launching this business or selling this particular product like who are you and that's the voice that we have to override and i think that's part of the imposter okay. Right. And it's, I think it's a protection mechanism. Like, where does it come from? Well, I think it comes from, typically it's coming from the, the, hum, the, the, the monkey brain, right? The monkey brain inside your body that says it's trying to protect you, right? To protect you, you know, from every safety mechanism to go, don't go there. Like I'm trying to make you stay, stay comfortable because I'm not trying to risk anything here. Right. Well, your human brain says, or, you know, what Jeff Sonson talks about is like the champion's brain, like that, that part of you is going to say like, no, you, you are great. You are amazing. You have the ability, but it's that monkey brain that runs that programming. Mm. It hijacks it. And so that's the imposter. I think yep. your thoughts yeah, on look, that? There's, there's a strong correlation between perfectionism and imposter syndrome. It's great that the Wabi Sabi podcast is about the art of imperfection because effectively the gateway or the freedom from imposter syndrome quite often is embracing imperfection. Because a lot of the times people will have a connection to perfectionism and as a result of that, if they're not perfect or they're not perfect in that role or in their mind's perception they're not perfect, they're consequently going, I don't belong here, I don't deserve this, and it cascades that whole imposter syndrome um, playing out in that, in that part. So you're kind of going down the rabbit hole as a result of that. So a lot of the strategies that are around uh, freeing up the imposter syndrome is about embracing the imperfection and being comfortable with excellence as opposed to perfectionism. Because fundamentally, you know, perfectionists, it's a rigid model and it's not a sustainable model because you're either perfect or you're not. Whereas someone who embraces excellence says, you know what, I, I showed up, I did the best I could. I took the whack, I took the feedback, I got better. Same thing with our podcast. We knew from the outset we had recording issues and, we, and I was always comfortable with just starting the process. Because, and I think you shared that recently, Lawrence, I think it must have been the last couple of days, which was exactly what I was thinking, you know, the 10-10-80 rule. I'll let you share it because you put a post about it. But to me, I'm okay taking that first step. And I don't care what pushback I get because in my mind, the biggest resistance is that first step. And so to me, if I take that first step, no matter how scary, that seven seconds of courage that we all have to embrace that to me is the catalyst that gets momentum going, that moves me, and I'm, I'm good to go. But if I stay stuck in the rigidity of is it perfect or not, then the narrative, the monkey brain, the story, all those kind of things just feed in and suddenly you're then going, who am I? to? So everything you outlined is the pathway. 
So do you want to just share that 10, 10, 80? Because I think that's really helpful and important for, for people to understand this, which will make great context in this. Yeah, I think the, the main lesson I want to make sure I kind of put some words to the wisdom that you just shared around that, you know, is that you, one of the ways you fought through imperfection or the imposter is actually through yeah. action and focusing on the action rather than the feeling of the hindrance in your brain. And so override the monkey brain is that you just take control instead of let the monkey take control of yourself. And there's a great saying, and I really wish I can give credit to who, who said that, but I, I don't know who said it, but I've heard it so many times and I use it a lot, which is implement faster than your disbelief. Mm. You know, when you can implement faster than your disbelief that allows you to, which is the monkey brain, then you, you're going to override that more times than not. And so I think that's really important. That's the key lesson that I think that everybody needs to hear. So going back to the 10, 10, 80 rule, the 10, 10, 80 rules, I, I, I was listening to that. Again, I can't really give the credit to who the person said it. And I wish I did because that, that video was done probably about two months ago. Um, and I think it just came back up on a post. So the 10, 10, 80 rule is that, you know, 10%, no matter what you do in life, 10% are of people or your audience um, that listen to you or hears what you see or see what you post up or do what you, you know, see or experience what you do will always hate you and there's be 10 percent of people that will love you and love everything that you do no matter what you do or what you say and then there's the 80 percent. the other 80 percent of people are just sort of in the middle like they're just sort of like dependent on whether or not what you do in any given moment or behavior or product or service that you're promoting or what you're doing is aligned with their values and they're going to judge based on that the key element is that the 10 percent of people who love you will always love you no matter what you do and we have seen that in society where, you know, whatever singer, you know, we have those, you know, let's say we'll talk about maybe an actor or an actress or maybe like a band, no matter what, like we'll say, you know, Jim, I know you like Taylor Swift, for example, every time Taylor Swift comes on, you're going to love whatever yeah. song she puts out, like no matter what. Right. So, you know, I know you're Swift yeah, by heart. I'm and uh, <laughs> every album. so, so uh, you're going to buy every album by every song that she puts out. And so therefore it's uh, it, it, you're going to love it no matter, even if it's a terrible song, but then there's always going to be the haters, right? We always have haters. There's going to be people who comments and no matter what you do, they're going to hate you. And we see that a lot in society as well. We see that in, you know, especially polarizing um, people like, you know, whether, you know, anytime say Elon Musk posts something, no matter what good or good in the world he might be doing, there's always going to be a hater to hate everything that he does says. Could be maybe a sportscaster or maybe a, an actor, whatever movie they put, like I always hate, you know, Keanu Reeves movies or whatever, like, you know, someone mm -hmm. will say something like that. And then, so those haters and lovers are, aren't really deciders on your life because they're going to love or hate you no yeah. matter what. And so really they're not, they're, they shouldn't really dictate, you know, how you should behave. And what you're talking about is taking action on, on things and putting stuff out there and let your stuff, let your action and the, the impact of the, of the actions you take, get the, let the 80% decide. Let the majority decide on how yeah, that happens. Yeah, so that's along what you're that, talking about. Along in, that in essence, and, and fundamentally, they're the people who will warm to you if you're adding value. So if you're in a role where uh, people have may have a preconceived idea of what it is that you do, what service you have, et cetera, et cetera, you're, you're then it's the outcome and the results and the value you're bringing to people's life and world that will then determine whether they're going to be interested in what you're, you're saying. So going back to what you're saying, to me, I, 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 I find that it's really important for me to, to just launch and get moving. Momentum is the quickest avenue for me to override any fear I fear. So consequently, yeah. I'm prepared to be lousy in that first step because to me, 
So many brilliant people never get onto first base, I should say, Mm. because they're not prepared Mm. to be lousy. And that's what happens with perfectionists and that's what happens ultimately with people stuck in imposter syndrome. So to me, I've rewired my brain to go, it's okay, man, it's all good. Don't worry. Your first rep is never going to be your best one. As long as you take the feedback from that, when you load up and come back again, it's going to get better and better and better. So I've wired my brain up not to expect that the first iteration of anything that I do is going to be brilliant. It's going to be draft. And as a result of that, that then allows me to to move forward. Well, I think that takes a lot of experience Mm -hmm. for you to be able to do that. I'll say this out, you know, to to the public, which is like, I really appreciate it, you know, being partnered with Mm -hmm. Jim here. Because Jim has been the one who's been pushing on the side to like, let's get this going. Let's move this along. And I'm like, yeah, man, but, you know, but, you know, there was like, there was this hesitation because, I mean, you know, I was just, long story with all the the Airbnbs I've been in, all the moves, I just like wasn't there. And, and, and he's always been the one who's like, just let's just get this going. Let's just record. And, you know, I appreciate that. And I think that's, a, there's a lesson in there, which is surround yourself with people who, you know, sometimes believe in you more than you believe yeah. in yourself, right? And I think that's so important. And that's why in partnerships, I think that's really where the partnership really shines, where you find people who can push you to find the boundaries where you're uncomfortable and you do it anyways, because it's a lot easier for me to be accountable to Jim than it is to be accountable Mm -hmm. to myself. You know, if it was left to my own, do my own podcast, I would just be sitting here waiting. And six months later, I'm still kind of contemplating on whether I should or shouldn't. And, but having Jim and, be, and knowing that there's, I'm accountable to someone else, it makes it a lot easier and better to, cause now I'm not on myself yeah. because I can always let myself down, but to let Jim down, I don't want to do that. And so therefore it's like that push and that's where partnerships lift each other when, you know, the other person is not, may not be ready and then vice versa will happen. And so I think that's where the, you know, so in business, I think that's the same thing. Like you got to put yourself in a situation where you are either surrounded by coaches or business partners or friends and family to support you and find that support when you're feeling the feelings that you have, because you can't control the imposter. You can't control the feelings because they're going to happen. But what do you do with that feeling? Right. That's the important element here. Thank you, Lawrence. I I really appreciate that. And in full transparency too, like that's a strength that I have in getting started. I can go from getting started to endpoint. I can visualize it. I can see it very quickly. Where I get unstuck is in the middle. That's the part that I get things derailed because I haven't built systems and haven't thought about the methodology. So for me, it's essential. And we've got a team that helps us with all these things because we could have recorded 85 um, podcasts. I wouldn't have known what to do with them because that to me, so right. that's, you know, like the complementary parts of that basically support each other in, in, the, in that process. But to me, yeah, my biggest obstacle has always been, holy smoke, this went faster than I thought it was going to go. What do we do now? And I haven't thought about, so I've, I've sometimes confused activity and progress, right? And yeah. Yeah, it's that, true. So that to, yeah. so that to me is an important component. But that, like I said, that's a strategy that I've had was like if I'm moving, I'll, I'll work it out. And that's probably movement stimulates my brain and I kind of think of it all the way. But sometimes I don't know what I don't know, which is someone who has systems thinking that can actually look at this and go, hey, here's the raw element of what you're doing. Like even with the work that Bettina and I do, I quite often come up with the concept and idea and she will dress it up and form I go, wow, that's amazing. How did you do that? She goes, it's actually everything that you said, but I've just packaged it in a way that was palatable 
that we could scale it, we could do that. And I went, I had no idea. If, if, I, if you'd relied on me to do that, it wouldn't have gotten done. So it's really interesting. And, and in full transparency, yeah. we've just let everybody know that we're not highlighting all the great things that we do because, like, we all, we all have strengths, but we've just gone, hey, here's us. Here's the part, the messy bit that we struggle with. What's yours? You know, where, where do you get unstuck? Where do you basically have challenges? Yeah, well, I think that, you know, from the podcast perspective of of the imposter, I guess it's almost like we just basically recorded mm. on the background and we recorded for almost six months before we actually did anything yep. with it. You know, so it's not like, and, and I don't know, we can maybe call it imposter or, but it's like, it's mostly like it wasn't good. Like we didn't know who we could call on, rely on to kind of carve it up to make sure it looked you know, not have to be yeah. perfect, but good enough to be in the, you know, in the podcast circles at the moment. Is it perfect? No, hell no. And this is a good shout out to Cherry and Maui for doing great work in terms of putting out the snaps and all the little promotion stuff that goes along with it. But the thing is, is that we we just recorded because that's the, what we knew best. So that's a lesson in there too as well. We did things that we knew best, which is just record. Um, what to do with that stuff, like that took a little longer to figure out, but it didn't stop us from starting. That's that's the key, right? It didn't stop us from starting, and I think we started, and then we had we got so much in the bank in terms of podcasts that we go, Jim, we got to do something mm. with this, right? We, now we got like we have this all these episodes. What are we going to do with it? How do we get it out there? And it forces the thing because it's getting full now. We got to get this out there, and so that's why that's sort of what happened. Lawrence, the I just things. thought we and were recording that imposter conversations. That's really what I thought we were doing over the last six months. <laughs> it's therapy, man. It's <laughs> therapy. Has- it Just, has because fundamentally that that was really, you know, the overarching perspective has definitely been that. Like in, in talking through what's going on and we've been, uh, we've taken people along the ride to go, hey, listen, these are the things that we've been living through. And, we had, and even with everything that we know and we support people to do, even when when the, the light shines on us, we suddenly go, okay, here's what we're dealing with. And... I found that really helpful in just talking it through, finding strategies, getting insights, all those kind of things. Because whenever around people who are committed to growth and improving, it's got to rub off. You can't just sit around and talk about the problems without an outcome or a solution or a strategy to move forward. And that's fundamentally what we've been doing over the last six months. Well, I think a lot of people forget that one of the ways of imposter comes around is because we're comparing ourselves to someone else, right? And it's only heightened due to the fact of social media because we're more like before back before social media you know when we were young when we were kids when we were you know even teenagers jim i know we're dating ourselves now but when we're teenagers our exposure to the world in terms of who we compare ourselves to are really just probably from two fronts the people in our school right the kids you kind of hang out with and like so basically kids in your community and maybe the people on television Hmm. Like that's about it, right? We didn't know, but now when you think of, we didn't know what was happening someone in Ohio. We don't know what was happening someone in, you know, China, you know, unless you watch the news, like really you had nothing to compare yourself to, or at least had, didn't have the same exponential access that we have now. Now you can compare yourself to everyone in the world almost yeah. you know what i mean to the corners of iceland to you know finland to, to someone in brazil and argentina like you're you know it not exposure social media although it has connected us but it also has created more like oh you know you can imagine a kid like i just saw i, I just forwarded this uh video to my son the other day 
I was like, watch this guy. He, he's really, you know, he was, you know, a couple of years ago, really into like Rubik's mm-hmm. Cube and solving stuff. And he was, solves Rubik's Cube really fast. I'm like, this kid is nine years old and solved the Rubik's Cube with Guinness Book of Records in five uh-huh. seconds. You're like, you know, can you, you can imagine, right? Like, you know, you look at that and like, well, what do I have a chance at? You know, <laughs> so like, but so anyway, going back to imposter, we're constantly comparing ourselves to the next bot, you know, whatever podcaster you're listening to or the next YouTuber you're listening to or whatever in whatever endeavor you're in, you're always comparison. And so that comparison creates this shadow self of you and like, well, who am I? And it makes that worse. It, it, it exponentially makes that worse. And I feel like until we kind of handle that beast inside of us, until we kind of like stop worrying about the, like not allowing the comparison that you are just doing your own project, you're doing your own thing and be able to quiet the noise mm-hmm. around you around that. It's, it's okay to strive for, you know, excellence, but if you're, you're nowhere, you, you okay, that's my, my point was, was that you've forgotten when Gary V started the very first episode, you didn't know about when, you know, whoever you're listening to their very first episode, you know, of their own YouTube channel. And you, they don't talk about that, but it's documented if you want to look for it. And so like when we get started, like this is a documentation that hopefully that you'll be able to see the progression in five years from now. You look back and go, yeah, Lawrence and Jim was talking about this type of thing. And look how, like, look how the crappy little background they had back then. You know, now they have this, you know, I'm sure we'll have this beautiful studio on these beautiful mics and stuff. But, but that's the progression. We all have to start somewhere and we don't have to have the perfect camera mics, you know, set up at the beginning. Getting started is the hardest part. But we're always looking for, I remember people used to ask me, I used to do my vlogs and video vlogs and stuff. Because, man, I remember the, the most common question I ask, get, gets asked for me, is what camera are you using? <laughs> right? It's like, as if the camera, okay, I guess, listen, I, I understand the camera made me look, me look good, but it's, it's not the camera, right? It's not, it's not, like, don't lose sight of it. It's not the camera. It's, you know, it's the work behind yeah. the camera, the thing, the thought process, the process. Like, and it's, you know, or they listen, they might listen to the podcast like, oh, what mic are you using? It's not yeah. the mic, right? Sure, the certain mics will sound better or whatever, but it's not the mic. You know, it doesn't really matter. It's get good enough is good enough. And then obviously, can you king better? Of course. If I use the Joe Rogan mic, maybe, yeah, of course. Like maybe, like, will, but it would make it that much different. No, I think the, the work has to be in the process. The work has to be in the, in, in, in what the work you got to put yeah. into it right it's uh you know it's like when you go into jujitsu it's like it's not i'm not gonna go and ask jim i'm like hey you're awesome what, what kind of what kind of gi do you yeah. wear that's where did all, you buy that well, <laughs> right because that's yeah. not gonna make me that's not gonna make me a black no, belt for, for you know? a couple of reasons i i practice no gi uh exclusively no gi so so number one but but there's a beautiful saying in martial right. arts that is it's it's basically um very relevant here and that is a black belt is really just a white belt who never gave up who just keeps showing up mm, and, that. and that's what it essentially it. is it's not someone who suddenly has this skill set because you have taken that's and my my old sensei used to say that it takes you know especially in jiu-jitsu you know effectively you're simulating life and death situations because someone tapping is effectively saying hey you've got me now i'm trapped i potentially could get very seriously injured right now but fundamentally the, the tap keeps the 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 simulation realistic but it also says, "Hey, I could I could die here." So that's pretty much what we what we're doing. And what amazes me is my sensei always said that it takes ten thousand submissions to get to a black belt. 
And a lot of the times, the most humbling thing about jujitsu for me is that you think that I need to submit someone 10,000 times, but a lot of the times it's the other way around. You have to get submitted 10,000 times before you get to that pathway. So when we flip it, that you know, anytime that a lot of times I, I quite often get the, the feedback, hey man, there's a lot of humility in what you do. How is it that you do that? I go, oh, let me tell you, come with me four or five times a week, watch my butt get kicked or push to it and, and show me how you're not going to be humble. And so to me, it's a it's a reality check that allows me not to fear um, showing up because that to me, if I'm showing up, I'm getting better and I'm not worrying. And that's, and that's part of the, how I've been able to rewire it, Lawrence, because for me, the journey, the battle, the, the, I, the, I very rarely get challenges outside of life, outside of the mat, harder than the ones that I get on there. So consequently to me, it's a perfect ground for me to actually learn the traits that I need to, to persist everywhere else in life. What's, well, you know, the 10,000 yeah. hour rules, the, you know, the 10,000 submission, like, you know, it, the, that the rule applies to everything in life, you know, whether it be your video, like if you're in, we all know it, right? We all know it takes, well, we'll just call it 10,000. I know that's not necessarily accurate, but let's call it 10,000. Right. But the thing is, we all know it, but the, 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 the key element is, are you going to willing to take the first yeah. one hour like are you willing to put in the first hour because what are we waiting for you know this is like the same thing when you goes to like even investing you know like oh i know i need to invest but i need to learn everything before i start investing well sometimes you learn when you're actually yeah. investing like you still gotta put in yeah. the hours like why not start you know like the videos for example you might you might look at someone like oh they're great on video or they're great on doing a podcast he goes yeah because they put in yeah. the hours you're not going to be that good at the beginning. Like your first few videos are going to be pretty shitty. Yeah. Like just admit it. It's just, you know, it's just, it's okay. But you might as well, I always tell people like you rather do your crappy videos at the beginning when no one's yeah. watching than, you know, you know, when you have like 10,000 people yeah. watching and all of a sudden you do this video, like you don't want to learn in that environment because that could be crippling, you know? So you got to put in the hours. You got to start somewhere. You might as well start. Yeah, yeah. And, and so many times, I always had an example. There was, a, there was a kid that I played cricket with very early on. Probably must, I must have been 8, 9, 10. And this kid was the best decked out kid in equipment you could ever imagine. And he couldn't play a shot to save his life. And so, But he looked the part. And to me, that's always the analogy of someone who wants to make sure everything is perfect before they launch or do anything. I've got to have the right mic. I've got to have the right lighting. I've got to make sure the temperature in the room is exactly perfect. And it's like, I'll rearrange everything on my um, table. That's a procrastination measure because fundamentally you, there's a fear. And to me, it's acknowledging that we all feel them. We all experience them. And like I said, my strategy is just dive in, you know, um, dive in head in head first and lean into the fear. And consequently you overcome that fear and already you suddenly go on three, four, five, ten episodes. You're like, oh my gosh, how did I get here? Okay, I might as well keep going. And consequently, that's the the mechanism to clear a lot of that. Yeah, I've always appre I appreciate that about you, like Jim. Like that's something that I admire about you and your tenacity to just give things a go. And it's it's cool because it's it rubs off, right? By hanging out with you and just talking to you every single week, it's like it definitely just rubs off, and you can kind of see that energy. And and obviously, you learned that through somewhere. And I'll give you an example where imposter can really derail, you know, you, uh, there's this one situation. I remember this going back maybe six, seven years ago, where I was invited to be part of a group, uh, just entrepreneurial group. 
And to be honest with you, I have no idea why I was invited because only about 120 people get invited only. And then the, the following year, they only invite 50% of them. Okay. Reinvite again. I've been in this group for four or five years. And, um, and the very first time I was, when I showed up, I was like looking around and you meeting these people there, they were literally best-selling authors, people you would know, you know, amazing speakers. Then there's also people you don't know, but they have multi-million dollar businesses, you know, 10 million, hundred million dollar businesses you know, a couple of billionaires in the room and they're all attending. They're not speaking. They're attending. They're like, just like you. And you sit on dinner with them and you have conversations with them. And I was out of my death, man. Like I was like, what the hell am I doing here? Like, honestly, I don't know what they saw in me. And, but I'm here, I got invited and it's like, and I'm experiencing three days with these people, but I was scared. I was not scared, but I was, I had, I felt I'm going back to the hotel room every day. We're just thinking, what am I doing? What am I doing here? Like how, like I'm just so out of my depth. And what was really interesting over the years, and I call some of these, one of my closest friends in the world over these years, and this group is amazing. And one of the key elements that keeps on coming up, like after, you know, after years is that every single one of them that I known did exactly the same thing. They all went into the rooms thinking, what am I doing yeah. here? <laughs> every single one of them going, I shouldn't be here. I don't know what's going on. And they like, they almost have to muster the energy to kind of go back to the room, like back into the group. They have to like collect themselves in the hotel room, slash water in their face and go, okay, I, you know, I got to find the energy to go back and engage back into that situation. And when you start hearing the stories, I'm like, oh my God, I'm not alone mm -hmm. in this. And that everybody feel everybody feels that way. But the detriment of that was that I never fully in that first year, and I think I would always say even the second year, it didn't. It took me about the third year before I actually got comfortable. Mm. Okay, and what, the reason why I'm saying this is because I lost those two years. Not I didn't lose those two years, but I there was I wish there was wish I certain things I would kind of um, I wish I could take mm. back. You know, like I wish I could gone back that time so that uh, I didn't have those moments. You know, where I because you know, I guess what I'm trying to say is that because of that fear and because of that imposter feeling, what that did for me was that I didn't fully yeah. engage because I was so lost in my own head. I was so lost into what I was thinking of, like what, how I appeared to people and what they were thinking about me. I didn't actually engage mm -hmm. in a way that to, to just not care about that, but to actually just engage and find out about these people. Cause when you really kind of dig in, they're normal yeah. people. They're just people just like me. They have fears. They have, you know, in, maybe in different scales, but they're a human being. We're not here to talk about business. We're here to talk about engage in connection and relationships. Yeah. And that's what it comes down to. And that can be, but I lost those moments because I was so caught up in my own head, yeah. you know, and I learned that, you know, years later to figure that out, like, you got to learn to let go and just engage because otherwise I wouldn't be here in the first place. Like, you know, you kind of losing that story in the loop somewhere where it's like, I was invited invited back there must be something like that's yeah. even if i don't see it let's just go with it say that you know and that's yeah. the attitude that you have that and it's yeah. awesome well, to, to, to embrace me, that me, that was had to be an overcompensation because the context for that and how i've gotten to that point is growing up as a kid who had nobody believing in him i had to find it in myself mm. so consequently i had to block out any resistance i had to find within me a belief that over sort of compensated for the lack of support externally because everywhere in my environment, I was told, what are you doing here? You don't belong here, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. 
And for a while when I was buying into that, I was going, yeah, so there was a, that was imposter. But I had to find within myself a way. Now, to me, it was just stubbornness and, and, and ego that, you know, and, and we talk about ego, but to me, ego worked up until the point it didn't work. But in those formative years for me, it was like, I'll show you. And I had to use that as a tool to raise my feeling and sense of worthiness to go, I actually belong here. I actually belong here. I'm going to show you why. Mm. So that was the stubborn part of me that it worked in. And I got to a point though, and a really important part was doing some work with you know, John Demartini. Uh, I found really helpful when he, when he said a couple of things. Number one is never look at anybody on a pedestal or in a pit. So fundamentally is yep. if you can find within you a way of connecting with people at all levels of life, and that's going to help. And the other part as an exercise that I've often done is called identifying the traits of the greats. And so if there's someone that you look at, you look up to and admire, there's the same quality that, that there's an undeveloped or unloved aspect of that trait that you have in yourself. And because you see it in somebody else, you've also got it in yourself, but you haven't harnessed it. So the moment that I did that, I started doing all that work to go, I admire this about this person. Great. Like, where else do I experience it? I do it here, 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 here. And so that helped me raise that level of belief in self over and above the external circumstances. So even if the external circumstances didn't support that at all, I just went, yeah, but there's been one time in your life where you've had that. And I hung on to that one for dear life. So that, that's been the pathway. It wasn't something that I had. I really had to work hard to develop that. Yeah, and also the other side of the pitfalls is too is if you're someone you really dislike or hate, exactly. You know, there's also the shadow sides of what you dislike yeah. about yourself. So I think I want to complete yeah. that that circle there too. Um, I, I loved about what you said about that you found this within yourself, Jim, and that, thanks for sharing that because I think that's really important for people to kind of go through. And I, I see, I don't know if you think about this, but I I also see that there's the opposite side of that, right? The opposite side of that is there's also people who who maybe were the complete opposite where they got a ton yeah. of support from their parents and their peer group and they also but that could be they need call compensation there too because if you get all the support throughout your whole entire yeah. life then you also like well then you can also get stuck in a position where you rely on other people's opinion yeah. in order for you to feel fulfilled yeah. and so then now you're searching for that and you're not getting it then you also got if you you're one of those like you still have to go through what Jim has to go through just in a different yeah. direction because you still got to find it with yourself. I think the key element of what you're saying is that we all have to find it within yeah. ourselves to find the beauty, the perfection, and the which all the goods and the bads about yourself. We have to do the work. You have to do the work to figure it out on your own to find the specialness around yourself. If you don't appreciate you. If you don't appreciate your own value that you have in the world, with which comes with all the the negative stuff you you see as negative, but if you can't embrace that, it's really difficult for you to be able to shed some of this imposter yeah. stuff. I think that's I think yeah, that's what totally, you're saying. Totally, totally, and, and understanding that life's there's, there's a duality between support and challenge, which is a lot of what you're saying. So the kid who's getting total support from everybody to the point where they're not developing those elements in themselves either keeps looking for it or is constantly has to be externally referencing and, and needs to support that or is going to get bullied by somebody else who doesn't offer that so life evens that out and so to me it, it was really helpful and cathartic almost to actually get to a point where you go okay if i'm really challenged here right now where in my life am i getting support 
And when you actually identify that, you realize that it's not, we can't be addicted to just getting support or everything good happening. It's the seasons of life and seasons of our, the world where you're getting, at times, sometimes you're getting challenged, other times you're getting support. It's about how do I keep the, the dance and the duality of that going to make sense and keep moving forward without getting restricted or stuck where I am. And I think that's one of the ways we were describing for the imposter is that whenever you have those imposters, this feeling that you have or the syndrome we'll be talking about is to kind of recognize that, you know, where, why do you feel that way? And then but find the opposite yeah. support, you know, that's in your world because you're just not seeing it because oftentimes if the imposter's feeling is there, it's usually because you're override by the monkey brain telling you that you're not good enough. But there, if you look deep enough, there will be something in support to balance that. You're just not seeing it because you're getting stuck yeah, in the monkey brain. Exactly. And and that and that's really important. That could be another way to make sure that you can find ways to kind of overcome that imposter. Yeah. In and the other thing too, Lawrence, I, I always found really helpful was the identity upgrade. So when when I when we first started this conversation, I said to you the first experience that I had about this was when I was a student and transitioning into the world of a of a professional doctor. And so consequently, I still took the identity of a student into that role. I hadn't actually fully integrated into that. So any time that I'm, you know, one of the exercises that I've had to go through many, many times is say, okay, if I'm aspiring to this, and this is the work where you're, where you're aspiring to achieve an outcome, a goal, it's identifying and neuroassociating to the identity of the person who's achieving the outcome, not where you are right now. So if you've got a goal and you need to develop skills, tools, attributes, it's, the, it's much easier to envisage you achieving it, having all those attributes and owning those attributes rather than thinking that you're where you are right now, catapulted or, or basically time-traveled into the future with what you know now because that's, that's going to be the disconnect. If you can develop and go, if I was the person who was achieving and doing this, this, and this, what would I think? How would I walk? How would I dress? Who would I associate with? Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And that then creates a, a picture that you can hang your hat on. I think the the imposter also too, one of the overriding factor is caring about what other people think of you. <laughs> yeah. You know, we did this in the previous podcast, but one of the, that's one of the the problems, the cause of that, right? Because the more you care about what other people think of you, that creates that feeling yeah. of being an imposter. Otherwise, you wouldn't care, right? If you just didn't care what people thought of you, you wouldn't have the imposter because you're not the only reason why you feel the imposter is because you worry about what they think of you, whether they're going to find Correct. you out. But if no, you don't care, then you're never going to be found out. So that's another awareness that you know, think everybody needs to have is to kind of identify like, does it really matter what they think? 10, 10, 80. And if you don't care or you care less. 10, 10, 80, what you yeah, basically exactly. said. So, uh, you know, if exactly. you're hanging up, if you're getting hung up on the 10%, that no matter what you do, no matter, the, like you said, there were people who we will put out a, a podcast, Lawrence, and we'll do the best we can. We'll, we'll, we know what our intention is. We know where we're coming from. So, et cetera. But irrespective of that, there'll be a percentage of people who will hate on it for any reason. You know, they might not like my hairstyle. Who knows? I don't, I, 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 that, I don't have control over that. And so fundamentally, I've gotten to the point, and, and you're right, it, it does get easier as time goes on because I've, I've, I get to the point where I go, listen, I've got a finite amount of time left on this world. Am I going to worry about what you think about what I do and what I do and, and I'm going to stop doing it because you're not going to like it or do I just get started because I actually like doing this? And who knows, somewhere along the line, someone might find value in it, et cetera, et cetera, it might help. So that to me, I've gotten better and better at letting go of that 10% who no matter what I would do would hate on it anyway. 
Well, Seth Godin always has a great saying, which I kind of stuck with me. It was I was like, no one, no one becomes a better writer by reading the one star review. You know, and that's like it's so true. Like who, who, like you know, you don't become a better writer just because you got someone gave you one star. Like, oh, you're a terrible writer. You suck. Yeah. It's like okay, now I'm better now, right? Thank no one, you. no one does that. And yeah, <laughs> thank you very much. Um, and <laughs> so that's why it's reading comments and stuff. It's funny, you know, we we get caught up in these things, you know, and you definitely get better at it over time. I remember you know, Karen gets really sensitive when someone writes a comment about something I've done or, you know, and there's not many, you know, uh, not many people do that, but there are times when people kind of make certain comments and she's like, she gets so riled up and because doesn't that bother you? I'm like, you know, at the mm-hmm. beginning it did, you know, definitely at the beginning of my journey, but now it, it bothers me less. It doesn't, I'll, I'll still admit, it definitely affects me to a degree, but it doesn't affect me as much as it used to. And it is about just being comfortable with your own skin. Cause I'm like, yeah, that's not, you know, like you said, it's not, that was not my intention. You know, they read it wrong and that's, that's on them. That's not on me. Or if I, there's a better way for me to communicate that properly, then, you know, I will make that correction. But I usually stand by, you know, what I say and people are going to disagree. You don't have to agree with everything I say or what we say in any podcast. We're just here to share yeah. our thoughts. And this is in if you know Seko and always talks about this too is like it's, if it's not if it's not for you it's not yeah. for you you know <laughs> i'm not trying to convince you to, to like it or to love it it's like you know we're talking to the people who actually are continuing to listen to us who love this and want to share it with others great and that, that will yeah. be our tribe and uh and those are the people that will will support us and love us uh, based on what we're producing and uh, they will tell us otherwise when you when you disagree with something which yeah. i love because i think that's important in life we have to have healthy discussions i don't expect everybody to agree with everything that we say because this is just yeah. our opinion like i mean let's face it jim and i don't even agree on certain no. things at times yeah you know, because simply for the, for that reason, and our goal is to kind of share our thoughts and have two different perspectives around any particular issue, so that you can find, you know, a path that might be suitable for you based on your personality. Yeah, and you know, in, in training camps leading up to major sporting events, you know, boxers will go into a six week training camp where they isolate themselves from their normal day to day, in part to get really, really focused on it, but also to basically protect them from all the distractions and noise of other people's opinions that may buy into what they think they're possible, et cetera, et cetera. So, and even, even you know, some sporting teams, I've actually seen this, they, they, they go, listen, we don't read the media. We don't engage in it because what it does is it starts, people start creating and verbalising their doubts. And so consequently you start going, well, maybe I don't deserve to be here. Maybe, you know, and that buys into the imposter syndrome. But I've seen a really great way of some sporting teams that dissolve that where they actually get the comments and they read them out loud to the group and and try and find the humor in them and they go yeah okay gee that one was a good one i like that and so it's disempowering the the toxicity in the comment by actually um addressing it full on so there's two strategies that people have number one if you get a comment you can find the humor in it and laugh it off and and just go okay yeah whatever but also you can just basically immune yourself from it and stay away from that kind of an environment if you're in the incubation period of what you're doing where you don't need to buy into other people's doubts, insecurities and opinions because it will stop you from doing what you want to do. I think one of the most uh, toxic things that uh, opinion and voice that we need to manage is ourselves. There's so much, you know, problem sometimes with our own little voice inside our head that, you know, if if we're able to record some of those, uh, what people say to, to yeah. themselves, you know, I think people will be shocked. And I would, the question I would ask people is like, would you say that to a five-year-old kid? Would you say that to a 12-year-old kid? 
And, you know, but yet you wouldn't say that to your own child, but yet you're saying mm. it to yourself. And I think managing that voice, I think it's so important. It's, a, you know, and it could be so toxic and such and so abusive in a way to yourself. And you're going to ask yourself, like, where does that come from? You know, I think it's important to cut this is why the, the work needs to be done, which is to look at yourself and going, where's this coming from? And what's the truth? You know, asking, you know, what Brian Katie talks about is like, is that the truth? You know, is that true? And then ask yourself again, is it true again? Like over and over again until, until you actually start to realize, I'm like, it's a story I've just said to myself. And this is like this repeated passion. And that's another imposter, right? The imposter is yourself, the voice inside your head who is like creating this energy around you. And if you've never had some enough support, you know, like Jim, you've been able to figure it out. Like you have to find and override that voice. But a lot of people would be challenged, you know, because they haven't had the support. They don't know how to. You know, we can guide you. There's there's coaches that can guide you, but the reality is that you have to dig in. Like you got to dig in. You got to be able to manage that voice. That voice is untamed. It's uncontrolled. But you can learn to not shut it down completely. That's not. I think not, I don't think that. I don't think that's the goal. It's more about lowering the 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 strength it has on you, the grip it has on you. No different than what we're talking about. Other people is that you know those uh, what you said about sports teams. It only affects you if you give yeah. it power right and you know this old saying like this it's not the snake bite that kills you is the poison that runs in your body that kills you at the end so you know that's the whole thing that that that, that is the poison that we continually loop in our head or whatever said someone said to us like that's the bite right yeah. someone says something to you that's the bite but it's only if you give it more power and you react or behave accordingly as if it's true that's the poison and I think we got to do that for other people's voices just as much as our own internal voices. Yeah. Um, Lawrence, I, I was going to say, I was going to finish off with just a scenario to basically say that any time that you are looking to do great things or try different things or, or redefine yourself or take on a new challenge, you're going to feel like you're an imposter. You know, when you started going into, pat, you know, playing paddle, there was a part of you that would have gone, what am I doing here? And that's going to happen. Uh, that's that was, that was yes, okay. That's still going. <laughs> okay, me too. So embrace that, accept that, and it's going to be. Uh, there's to me, it's like if you're trying to do great things, you're going to constantly be challenging yourself, and you're going to constantly be putting yourself in situations that you may not have been in before. And so you can't rely on I've done this before, so I know exactly what to do. Because sometimes you just got to show up. Life's going to show up, and you go, I don't know exactly what to do. But you know what? I back myself in this moment. I don't know. I'll figure it out. I'll work it out. And there's, there's a difference between confidence and competence. And so I guess my my finishing talk would be expect that you're going to be in scenarios where you don't know it all. You don't, you're not sure. You may have gotten accelerated by virtue of what you've done in the past that's put you in an area that's going to challenge you. And it's a case of using what we talked about today to help you navigate those obstacles rather than starting sabotaging yourself by going, I don't deserve here, and then starting expressing behaviors that make people doubt that that put you in the position in the first place because you're not exhibiting what they, they saw in you as well. So I think that the important part of anything is the personal growth that you do for yourself, which is what you're talking about, because unless you're doing that, you're going to get to scenarios where you're going to constantly keep bouncing up against them and you don't know what to do to get through. I think sports always a great analogy because it's like, um, you know, when I was, you know, just use paddle, for example, or, you know, CrossFit or jiu-jitsu, any, like any tennis or any game you're playing, you know, when those times when you're just yeah. losing, 
it's not just like you're losing a point where you're just losing like yeah. game after game. And when you're losing game after game, there's a part of you, and this is what I think they love the beauty of the sport. It's like it's a lot of mindset. It's it's a mindset game. Because you get to a point when you start to doubt yourself and you're just so defeated. Rather than just thinking, it's just the next point. Game resets. Yeah. It starts from zero, zero. But if you allow the previous game to affect your next game, you're going to constantly, you know, and just constantly lose. And it's like the ability of champions, what I've seen, the reason why they're champions is because of them letting go of the last game, letting go of the last point, because the last point doesn't matter into the next point. It only matters if you allow yeah. it to. And I think that's really important. Like, you know, the next match or the next, you know, thing, it's like if you let it creep in and you can't reset, then that's the problem. And I've seen, I, you know, Pen Paddle, we play with, with partners all the time and you can see it. And it's really like, we could be down 40 love. And I always say to them at 40 love, it's like, just one point mm. at a time. Let's just get the next point. Don't worry about trying to win the game because we have to win three points, you know, uh, to tie to get deuce and then so on. It's like, let's not worry about that. Let's just win the next point. Like this focus on down. one point, and then it'll be like, yeah, and then, we, yeah, and then it becomes 40, 15. It's like, okay, I go, that's one, you know, get next to 40. Like, that's two. Like, I just focus in on the next point because that's all mm. we can control. We can't control what happened. We can control the next point and not, not worried about two points. Yeah, I like that. And I think it's like, you know, in sports, always like one game at a time, you know, in the playoffs, it's like, don't, let's not worry about, you know, getting to the Super Bowl or whatever. It's like, let's just win this game. And when, within the game, let's win this quarter. And it's like one match at a time and one, one play at a time. And I think that's so important to kind of get that mindset. But it's very difficult. It's yeah. easy to say, but so difficult in the moment because you get caught up in the emotion and the ups and downs. And it's your ability to reset. You know, reset the pain when you're in CrossFit, reset the pain, you know, in jiu-jitsu is also like reset the moment of that point you lost or just had to tap out or whatever. Like it's ability to be able to reset and move on that what you've done previously, learn from it and move on. I think that's how one of the other ways of not letting the imposter mm -hmm. creep in. And so guys, I hope this has been helpful, powerful enough to help you get through because I know this is a challenge for everyone. It's definitely a challenge for me. I'm still working on mine. Jim, same thing. Like he's just, you know, you can see he has different strategies than I do because, you know, different values, different, you know, what strength and he has. I hope that through between the two of us, we have shared some tactics and strategies and things that you can implement right away to tame the imposter, not to eliminate it, but to tame it and to be able to navigate to, so that you can become more successful in your life and be, have a happier life. So I hope you enjoy this Wabi Sabi podcast episode if you feel like this is a great one please share it with others i think it's a really important one to share and uh see us on all channels spotify facebook youtube yeah tunes whatever all the stuff that's out there and we'll see you in the next episode